Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vitor Sobral, and I'll get a sense of Sport Management Review's published research by speaking with the researchers themselves. Today, we're talking women's fan apparel. To discuss this, we have the perfect guest. She's been researching female sport fans for years, looking into their experiences, identity, and of course, fan clothing. She's assistant professor at Temple University. It's Katie Swainson. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Katie and her co-authors, Lorena Haber and Kim Toffoletti, recently published, If People Are Wearing Pink Stuff, They're Probably Not Real Fans, Exploring Women's Perceptions of Sport Fan Clothing. And sometimes, just sometimes, a researcher's work is brilliantly encapsulated by a news story. Or in this case, we can say it was two news stories. First, US soccer, the organizing body of the sport in America, releases a line of women's fan apparel featuring classic items like US soccer cutie. Just what the fans wanted, hey? Uh, no. And then Football Federation Australia says, hold my beer. There was great fanfare when they released the new kit for Australia's women's soccer team, the Matildas. The away kit hit the spot. The fans loved it, except for just one thing. They had no women's sizes and wouldn't until 20... 22. Now that has since been rectified and women's sizes will be available in 2021. Fixed it. Katie, do these, let's say, um, disasters come as any surprise to you? A little bit, but not really. I mean, it's a sad thing when you're not really surprised by this happening anymore. And I think, you know, with the, the U.S. soccer situation with the girls' clothing, again, I can understand that they are trying to market towards you know younger uh, girls but at the same time this idea that you know girls or women as fans have to fall into this feminine glittery heart pink type of fandom just doesn't resonate anymore and I don't know that it ever did I shouldn't say anymore but um, and then again with the Matildas you know it's not even just the fact that they didn't create a women's kit for the uh, way jersey or uh, the way kit but also the fact that in that there's this subliminal messaging that women are not recognized or thought of as fans so the fact that they aren't even considering providing something that allows them to identify with a team something that can be a very important part of their identity is really really surprising i think it came as a, a surprise to many but how does your research on or women's sports fans, which I mentioned before, help you understand this, these situations? Well, I think it goes to show that women as sport fans are heterogeneous. We tend to see this market kind of blank, or this um, blanket marketing towards them and the idea that you're a woman, you might like pink, you like things that are tight-fitting, you like certain types of apparel. And instead of recognizing that women have varying sport fan experiences and they have varying preferences and not recognizing uh, the individual aspects in being a fan causes this idea to really go back to these traditional gender norms and roles and assuming that women are going to like overtly feminine clothing. And that's not to say that there aren't women sports fans who don't like that clothing. There's definitely, you know, people out there who would prefer that. And that's, you know, again, one, one part of it, but, recognizing the varying experiences that women have as fans really goes to, you know, it, it really is emphasized during these times where we see these 
you know, fan clothing offerings that are, are not quite on the spot. And your latest research is about that and women's fans' experiences of, of fan clothing. What was the idea behind that? Where, where did you think, okay, we need to really look at this as, as researchers? Well, as a researcher, it was actually amazing where this study wasn't really conceptualized from the beginning. This is actually a combination between two studies that we did. One was a about nine highly identified women who were fans of a local team and seven highly identified women sport fans of non-local teams. And just through trying to understand their experiences, they talked about clothing. And then when we started talking about clothing, they started talking about, well, I don't really like pink or pink is fine if someone wants to wear it, I don't really care. Or even though there's all these options, nothing fits what I want. And at that time, you're, you know, we were talking about 300 t-shirts that are available and these women feeling like there's nothing really that fits. So when we looked at both these data sets, we realized we weren't even trying to talk to them about fan clothing or, or create a project based on that. But it clearly was such an important part of expressing their fan identity that we realized it's something that needs to be uh, put out into the world. I guess you really know you're onto something when the, the research question comes from the data itself. Yeah, yeah, it was, again, we didn't really expect it, but I think the more people started talking about it too, the more there was more follow-up questions. Well, what do you think about this? And, and how do you think about the website? And what do you think about the models on the website? So we could kind of, we allowed them to lead us there, which again, I think is every researcher's hope. Yeah, well done on that one. Um, now, you, you looked at it through, through two approaches, um, the aesthetics uh, of team clothing. So what were the, the, the basic ideas behind that, of, of looking at it through that approach? Uh, so the, that first kind of framework that we had to it was just saying, okay, what, what do people want from fan clothing? And again, typically that is they want to use it to identify with their team, right? It's an important part of their identity. They want to show they're a fan. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is how did it look? How do they feel about not only the pink clothing, but just the feminine clothing, the cuts, the colors, the bedazzled parts, the pieces that, again, the hearts or stars that really don't have anything to do with the team. Um, and the last one being, then what is the symbolism behind having clothing like this? What can we, what do we think of that? And that's, again, where a lot of the people in the study talked about how that type of clothing really made them feel dismissed as fans, that they needed special clothing and special colors, and they needed to be pushed kind of to the side and said, here you go, this is for you, instead of just having a similar offering to what, uh, to what the men have. And so quite a few participants brought up this idea of like, why do I have to, have, why are there so many pink options out there and there's no blue options for men? Why is it that only women are relegated to having specific types of clothing and they don't get the more gender neutral options um, that they would like to see? Obviously, I haven't gone through that as, as, as a male, but I think I kind of went through something like that when I was a kid because I always wanted the, the kit that the, the people were wearing. It's changed since I was a kid, but I couldn't get it because they didn't make it for children. Like they didn't make the official official kit. So I, I think I might've felt that, but obviously... It, when you're an adult, you're like, come on, man. I mean, it's a similar idea of just not recognizing. And on that note, you know, we, I'm actually collecting data right now. I'm looking at kids' sport fan clothing as well, because I think that is also, you know, it's a huge market, but we're also seeing gendering of items. But we're also seeing that again for, in particular, we're seeing, you know, 
specific items for girls, but we're also seeing that there's not as much variety um, when we talk about what boys can wear. And further to your idea, uh, your um, point about not having the right fit, again, a lot of the women that we spoke to, they bought men's or youth size jerseys or, or other apparel because they just felt this is the way I want this to fit my body. And maybe it wasn't even the way they wanted it to fit, but they would prefer that over what the woman's size was. And the other concept you use is, is third wave feminism. Before all the men start going, ah, what does that mean? Can you just tell us what that's about and why it's useful to, to understand what's happening here? Third wave feminism really provides us a lens to look at the data and, and look at these women's experiences for more of this individual expression. So, um, you know, second wave feminism having more of this kind of collective uh, movement where a third wave, again, is this kind of, um, I can feel empowered in my own choices and I have empowerment in my, you know, consumer choices. And so if I want to wear something that is more masculine, if I want to wear something that's more feminine, it's kind of up to me. And that's an individual expression of gender that I have and, and can use. Um, so in that case, again, where we saw that not everybody really, you know, some of them, again, were like, I don't want to wear pink. Just because I'm a woman and that's associated with femininity, I don't want to wear pink. So instead of looking at clothing as kind of this, being a fan and femininity as this either or, you can either be a fan or be feminine, it brings in this lens of both ends. You can have multiple expressions. And that's where we saw, again, not everyone likes being feminine in their clothing choices, but a lot of them tended to be more feminine in their everyday lives. So they could have the space to negotiate and find clothing that allowed them to express their fan identity and the gender identity that they would like to portray. And as your, uh, your method, you spoke to several female fans uh, or many female fans of Canadian football. Were they just desperate to tell you about their frustrations? It was surprising how many people said to me, what an interesting study. And I thought, what do you mean? There's women sports fans everywhere. So in talking to them, you know, even that study and the, and the second study, I think they were just glad to be heard. And that someone was recognizing them and valuing them as sport fans. Because again, some of them had no issues with that, but other participants, you know, really felt like they were constantly trying to prove themselves as authentic fans. So I think they were really appreciative to be able to share their stories. After doing all this, what were the main findings? What were the things that, that stood out for you that obviously you've put together in the, in the article? Well, we talked about, again, the, the dislike for the overtly feminine. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say that it wasn't completely a dislike. There were, again, some participants who were, I don't really want the pink. I don't want the, what they call like shrink it, pink it, bling it idea of clothing. But they wanted this gender neutral fit. They wanted something with a logo on it and they wanted it in color, like really basic clothing. And again, I think a lot of times these concepts of like fashion and, and ensembles and outfits are kind of pushed on women about this is, you know, language that resonates with them. But in this case, again, when they're being a fan, they just want to show their identity to the team. And that was kind of that, that most basic way the other thing that they talked about was models on the website. And sometimes having models on the website who were not varying sizes and there wasn't a lot of diversity actually uh, caused them to not purchase because they felt, well, I, I don't look like that. How am I going to buy that? Or what is that going to look like on me? And so 
although it was, you know, probably an attempt to show what it looks like on a body, they felt like, well, that doesn't represent who I am, and therefore I'm not interested in purchasing that item. They also spoke about uh, the Canadian fans, at least, I guess they were all Canadian, but the Canadian fans who uh, had teams in the US or other places, they spoke about the troubles of purchasing online, of the exchange rates, but also not really knowing what the size or what the fit or what it really looks like when you're purchasing at a distance. So. Um, we talked about the importance of maybe having, you know, somebody like a chat or even the idea of having people submit themselves in the clothing that can, again, then give people an example of here's a range of, in, of women and you can kind of see how it looks on, uh, you know, a bunch of different people. Big question when you're doing research is what does this mean? How have we advanced our knowledge? So I'm going to ask you, Katie, what does this mean? How have you advanced and you and your team advanced our knowledge? Well, one is I think that we continue to demonstrate that women are not one note, that women, uh, again, as sport fans, have different preferences. And this can be, as third-way feminism shows us, on that individual basis. Some women would like to be more feminine. Some would like to play with their masculinity a little bit more. So we're seeing the idea of gender fluidity existing in these spaces for women while they're constantly trying to battle this idea of authenticity. And so I think what we have created here is not just the idea of, you know, women don't like pink, but it's the idea that organizations create gendered artifacts. And those artifacts are embedded with taken for granted notions and meanings and power relations. And so if we look again at these specific items for women, and again, kind of have them be as separate from what's offered to men, it can continually reinforce this kind of second tier fan that they're not as important, they're not as upfront, um, you know, they're not as valued because we're not even providing them clothing that they want to really just use to have the, again, uh, the identity with the team. And so I think what we saw here is, is these everyday kind of artifacts that exist are embedded with meaning and pulling that out really shows some of this power relation that is, again, ongoing. With this understanding, knowing all this, what should sport fan apparel suppliers take into consideration when they're developing their lines and even their designs and, and, and the way they just approach kit manufacturing? Well, we've talked a little bit about the idea of creating this gender neutralizing, of not having it have to be for men or for women, but here's this size. Here are the dimensions you can purchase and you know, find one that fits for you. The other part is, again, not to say they shouldn't offer the feminine clothing, because again, I think there are women who purchase that clothing and that's an important part of their identity but recognizing that perhaps there are too many items that lean that way and ensuring that they're offering more of the more basic not always again even the cut they don't have to be low cut they can be crew neck they don't have to be you know special cutouts in them so for me it's really the idea of going back to basics of just saying you know a shirt a t-shirt with a logo on it is really what the woman we spoke to wanted and because what that does is allows them to say, I am a fan who happens to be a woman, but my, my gender is not more important than my family. I feel like the, the suppliers are going to say, gender neutral sizing, that's too hard. Is that, a, is that a real argument? I mean, it would add, I don't really know if it is, because I feel, again, for women, they do want, uh, again, when you talk, they, they are interested in sizes that fit their body, but the idea of having, having 
gender neutral allows them to choose, right? I can get something smaller that can be more fitting for me. Or if I don't want, if I want it looser, I can get a bigger size or, um, you know, look for something else. And I think that that, again, allows that the space to be there. And actually, since this promotion with the girls clothing on U.S. soccer, there was someone on Twitter who said, uh, you know, even I find that women's sizes are limited in the options that they have. It might just be small, medium, large. And some women might be smaller than that. They might need a bigger size. And so this idea of not even offering clothing that fits the different bodies of women's sports fans, I think the idea of gender neutral can really allow them to make those choices rather than have those, cho- those choices made for them. I think today I also don't need the athlete sizes. I need more varied sizes. So I completely understand. You, you mentioned there about the, the diversity of the models in, in the kits. And something I've noticed with European soccer and football is we've seen a bit more diversity in the, the modeling of the kits. Do you think we're seeing that being taken on board now by the suppliers and the teams? I do. Absolutely. I think, again, when we collected the data for the study, this was 2013 around there, 2013, 2014. And even then, this morning, I looked and I was like, I'm just going to see how much pink clothing is is out there at this point, because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan in the NFL. So I went onto their website, I looked at the jerseys and for women, and there wasn't a single pink jersey. But six years ago, there would have been half of them like that. So I think that they are recognizing that this isn't really, it's not that women don't want to support this initial cause of where the stem from of breast cancer, but they don't want the entire jersey to be about being a woman. And so I do feel like, and even in the models, again, we're continuing our, our research with sport fan clothing. And through that, we are looking at models. We are seeing, you know, diversity in many ways. And so I think that is a lot more reflective of the everyday woman sports fan who is not one note. And again, that represents the heterogeneity that exists amongst women's sports But I guess from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, there's still plenty of work to do. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Katie. And let's hope we've seen the last of female sport fans being treated like second-class citizens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot more work to do, a lot more research to do. But uh, I think that the, you know, the time is now and the, the movement is there. Thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. Please head to the Sport Management Review website to check out all the latest research being published, including the article we've talked about today. If people are wearing pink stuff, they're probably not real fans. Exploring women's perceptions of sport fan clothing. From Volume 61, Issue 4. That's it for this episode, but keep a lookout. There'll be more dropping in your favourite podcast player soon. Until then, it's bye for now.